right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time and today. It's all about something we all need, love, and know very little about. It's like a mad voodoo. It's like a Santa Rhea over there. You never know what's going on inside a transmission or what you should go with. Remanufactured, rebuilt, performance this. Your brother that owns knows somebody that owns one in a shed that's been sitting there for three months. He found it at a flea market for 50 bucks. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It it really is that way, though, man. It's nuts. I mean, dude, you could have made it more clear on how fuzzy this thing is. Right? (laughs) And we're talking about the transmission. Now, guy we're going to talk to, man, he's on top of the game. Their company works with all the best builders around the world. uh, And they do both, manuals and automatics. But I think the one that is the most elusive, even in my sort of engineering brain, uh, and I've been through several of them, never rebuilt one all by myself, but they're still kind of gray matter in there man there's still the the voodoo that you mentioned in an automatic transmission and if you really want to carry that voodoo talked about the uh the torque converter now we kind of know what they do we know kind of how they work from uh you know i push my gas pedal my rpms rev up and things happen but no clue what's going on in there try to get somebody to explain all that stuff whoo so we need experts. We need experts, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I, it's funny because I've, I've built a transmission too, and it's funny because the guys that, that know them and live them, right, you'll throw the transmission up on, on your bench, right, and they'll have that thing apart, planetary gear set, clutch material out, springs, sprockets, uh, little wingy dingy things, round things, you know, metal pieces, chunks, you're like, Holy smoke, you blew into a billion pieces in like in like 10 seconds. This is like Hiroshima, my transmission. And then boom, they'll they'll throw some, you know, some upgrades in it and you can get it back in a really short period of time. But wow, the the difference is huge. Oh yeah. It's amazing when you know the art how much you bring to the table, man. Yeah, you know, from a performance side, you know, let's say rebuilding durability, but then just like its function. You know, you, you go in there and you change things. You know, I've done many times, like the valve body, you know. You go in there and you change some ball bearings and some springs and whatever else, and all of a sudden, I mean, bang, your shifts are super hard. You're chirping your gears. You know, you can really kind of go in there, and especially now with electronics and transmissions, you can go in there and calibrate. Um, at least the OE side's going in there and really going in there and tuning and tweaking. And, uh, man, you can really take it yeah. from a slush bucket 
to a you know hard banging <laughs> chirping gears you know super performance machine laying down some pretty solid ets you know yeah man yeah it's one time i remember i was doing a 400 first one i want to learn how and i had two guys it's like it's like the grandpa battle man they were on both sides and i believe it was the sprag or something you put clockwise or counterclockwise and i'm sitting there and i'm like letting these guys coach me and tell me what to do and i'm like all right guys is it clockwise or counterclockwise and both of them had a difference in opinion <laughs> they went they went back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and i'm like guys I, I gotta get this transmission. I gotta race tomorrow. So which is it? And one guy's like, oh, it's, "It's clockwise. It's clockwise." Anyway, man, I get the whole thing done. I get the transmission in the car, right on my lift. I put the car down. I rev it up. First gear is there. Second gear, I back out of my uh, my little um, uh, shop area and under my gravel, and I'm running through the gears. First, second. As soon as I hit thirds, third rear tires lock up oh. on my gravel, oh. and I'm like what the was that and i'm like no way put it first again take off first is fine second is fine as soon as i shift third in the gravel again tires just lock up and i'm like oh oh well i guess it was counterclockwise then <laughs> fantastic as you know pulling a transmission out it's like a oh. 10 minute job you know tearing that thing back down again right flipping that thing around whoop-de-doo you know right right i was so mad especially on race night you know <laughs> yeah it's just terrible man and it, it bites you just like that oh yeah yeah and you know the the transmission is is awesome because uh especially when you're thinking about some of these older rides right you're stuck with three speeds you know perhaps and all your friends are just hauling mail you know, to get wherever they're going, they're going on a cruise, whatever, and you're sitting there screaming RPMs. You know, you wish you had a couple of extra gears in there. You're really short on the stick there. Your friends are kind of giving you the chuckle and the laugh. So the automatic transmission obviously is something, uh, you know, it's the mainstay. It's the staple of, you know, putting gears between your engine and your rear end. Uh, but you can have less gears and you can have more gears. You can have overdrives, which are huge uh, and obviously you can get the performance factor, you know, when you're adding power, you know, what kind of transmission do you go with? You know, again, is it a rebuilt? Is it a remanufacturer? Do you try to fiddle with it yourself? Or in this case, we're going to the man, Mark Bowler from Bowler Transmissions uh, to get some of the expert advice so you guys can know how to make the right decisions for your ride. Yeah, man. I think it was um, that Mel Gibson movie, maybe it was called Ransom or something, where he wanted his like 70 grand. He's like, I just want my $70,000, man. If you go high enough, there's always one guy. There's always one dude, and Mark's that one guy. When it comes to, like, Bowler Transmission, Mark's the guy. He's like, where's the guy? I got to get through the one guy that could just get this done. Mark's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're looking forward to, uh, to having him on next. So we'll do a quick break right now. We're back with Kevin Burry, Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. It's the Two Guys Ride Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we are fired up. Mark Bowler joins the podcast. Glad to have you on, Mark. And I got to tell you, man, you worked with Kevin a lot of years, and uh, he's got a lot of stories about you, bro. So I appreciate knowing all of that, as, as Kevin, as well as you do. You still decided to come on the podcast with us. So I just want to tell you thank you. Thanks. I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, yeah, don't believe everything Kevin says. Right. Well, that goes two ways. I mean, I'm sure Mark's got, he's got an open mic now, so don't, don't buy into any of this hype, right? 
<laughs> yeah. It's a two-way street. <laughs> oh, man, I met Mark years ago. Uh, you know, I did the pilot of overhaul in a bunch of episodes, uh, usually one or two a season, you know, keeping my full-time job. But uh, these guys came on strong. They've been building uh, transmissions for, for years and years, and they were on, uh, you know, I'm looking at Mark. Uh, I can see him in the background here on our call, and, and he's got a lot of those renderings from Foos, and I think you mentioned 40-some different overhauling builds? Yeah, yeah, 42 episodes we was part of. Um, you know, and that's, you know, we've been, like you said, my, my father actually started the business in 63. So, I you know, I grew up with transmissions, Woo. planetary gears as toys. So that's, that's all I know. Hey, man, let me, let me ask you a question, Mark. How pissed off was your dad if you didn't go into, like, the father business? Like, if he didn't groom you until you were little, you said you had planetary gear sets as toys. If you got older in life and said, you know, Dad, I'm going to go into, I don't know, a business major. I'm going into, you know, underwater basket weaving. Uh, this transmission theme is not for me. Whoo, man. That's, that's the you-know-what hitting the fan. Yeah, well, you know, you would think that. It was, you know, you got to remember, back at that time, it was just a, a way to support the family. So we re just kind of rebuilt, right. you know, replaced what was needed, got people, you know, going down the road. He always wanted me to have a better life, you know. So he kind of thought, you know, maybe this isn't the way. I was too addicted to hot rods and cars. I'm like, no, I – I think we can take this another direction and go towards that. So it, it all worked out for the best. I think he's pretty proud at this point. Wow. So so you kind of had a hand in in how you guys have, have you know turned the corner, let's say, from just fixes and rebuilds to, to really get into the performance segment, the hot rodding and all that? Yeah, that's that's correct. So, you know, I started with him, you know, at the age of nine cleaning parts. You know, I scraped transmissions out sitting on the gravel parking lot and just scraped all the transmissions for him. Grew up by the age of 13, I rebuilt the first transmission, you know, but again, mom and pop transmissions. Uh, by 91, you know, I had my first car, supercharged it. Of course, transmission didn't work well. You know, so I had to learn how do I make it survive? Uh, you know, so I started back in 91 trying to experiment. And a lot of it was just that, you know, what works, what doesn't. And, you know, you, you learn a lot of things the hard way. Um, and that's where I started to figure out how they truly work, the hydraulics behind them. And not to put my dad down, he was just a very simple, the clutches are worn, put the clutches in, get the customer down the road. And we still see a lot of that today. Uh, I wanted to learn why, you know, why is those clutches failing? You know, you, know, you might see a unit come in with 40, 50,000 miles and the next one of the hundred and some thousand miles. Uh, sometimes it's like, is it pure abuse? Maybe, but I wanted to more really dig in and understand what's going on. So I kind of took it to that next level. Uh, but he he really deterred me from anything performance related until he retired in two thousand one. Don't they say your 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 biggest teacher is your last mistake? So you probably applied that advice, uh, especially if you're looking at performance stuff. You know, it, it weren't transmissions probably a little bit easier back in the day, but you know, in the mid to late 90s, you know, about time you probably really got into it and started taking over some of the, the aspects of where it went, the transmissions took an evolutionary leap. And all of a sudden, people were doing things and there was more gears available, gear sets and dual planetary sets. It, it, the game changed a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's what really started scaring Dad. You know, whenever we would go from an old school 350 and we started working on 4L60, 4L80, 
all these solenoids and all this stuff going on. It's like, whoa, what have, what do we got? Of course, I was more intrigued, you know, because I'm looking at it. Man, there's so much more control and so much more we can do now. He's like electronics. What was electronics doing to my transmission? <laughs> right, exactly. Computers. Those belong in outer space. <laughs> yeah, but I think his determining factor to retire was when he came in the shop and I had a steering column laying out of a Silverado truck. He was frustrated thinking we took on a job outside of the transmission realm. And I said, no, I, I am fixing the transmission. It's the ignition switch that causes not shift. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you just kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, we're kind of getting some of the reasons, you know, why, you know, Bowler was on 40-some episodes with Chip Foose. You know, they've got projects with the Ring Brothers, with Detroit Speed, some of the top builders anywhere, along with all of us regular old guys that are building cool stuff in our garages. So tell us real quick, um, you know, from all this experience you put together over the years, you know, what is the major difference between a remanufactured transmission and a rebuilt? And then what are the kind of things that you guys do? What do you see uh, in transmissions that, you know, for different flavors, you know, the, the regular cruiser guy to the, you know, I'm hopping things up to I'm going full on. You know, what are the steps there? No, that, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up. It's, it's probably the most misconceived perception. Like you guys mentioned, everybody knows somebody that's either rebuilt a transmission, they've done it themselves, or they've got a buddy in a garage. The difference between what I consider rebuilt, remanufactured, is really how deep you're going into that transmission. Like as in wrist deep, elbow deep, you know. <laughs> we're getting even deeper than that. We're going waist deep whenever, we, whenever we're going to remanufacture. <laughs> A couple of legs hanging out the back of the case, wiggling, you know. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, rebuilt is basically just that. You're replacing the worn components. So I'm going to say clutch plates are replaced. Uh, you know, maybe any wearable like a bushing possibly a seal, so the gasket seal. So which, whenever you buy a rebuild kit, you know, which might cost anywhere from 200 to 300 bucks, all it comes with is gasket seals and friction plates. So that's the normal wearable rebuildable items. The challenge comes in kind of what I determined early on, why are these things failing? Uh, and I, the best thing I can relate it to is just like an engine you know, when an engine wears out, a cylinder wears out, you got to, you know, bore it, new sealing rings because the compression, you know, if you lose compression, the motor is going south. The valve body is very similar. You know, every valve is moving in there. That's the true core to life of what's, how it's going to survive. Well, it's the same way. Those boards are, it's stroking that valve every time it shifts. Well, all these newer valve bodies, you know, once you got past a 400, now they're aluminum valve bodies and you know, they're not cast iron anymore. They're not steel valves. They're either a steel valve and aluminum valve body or it's an aluminum with an anodized coating. Something's going to wear. So we actually do what's called vacuum testing. So we'll actually vacuum test every bore and see how much leak by there is. You know, so let's say, you know, a valve should hold 23 inch, inches of vacuum or, and actually hold it. We might see one that's at 14 or at 12. It's not that the transmission won't function, but the life of that transmission is probably cut in half. So, you know, a rebuild procedure, you can't get that deep into it because all you're doing is similar to what my dad did. And I, in the early days, you replace what's worn, you got the customer going. 
But guess what? The quality isn't there. You never notice the shift quality improvement in the fix what for years was a shift kit. So you elevate line pressure, shifts firm. Guess what? You may have a failure 10,000 miles down the road, 20,000 miles down the road. And that's what always got me intrigued of, for example, if back in the mid 90s, we had a transmission come in from a truck, had you know 90 to 100,000 miles on it. We rebuilt it. It came back like 28,000 miles later. And I'm like, all right, there's something wrong here. And dad's like, no, it just, just worn out. I was like, oh, well, why did the first one last you know, 90,000 miles? And ours lasted 28,000 miles. There's a problem. We missed the whole reason this thing failed. So, you know, we dig in and investigate. And so remanufactured is going through every process. So every bearing, bushing, sprags, solenoids, the valve body, you know, does it check? If it leaks off, there's fixes for that. You know, you can ream the valve, put an over, oversized valve or put a sleeve in it to rebuild that whole section. So you get it back to holding the vacuum, no more hydraulic leaks. But that's also why there's such a huge price difference. Were you, were you guys one of the first ones to start doing things like that? Because I hadn't heard of that that being done back then, at least that extensive. Is, is that something proprietary to you? Or did you learn it by watching somebody else? Or is that just the norm for rebuild or remanufactured transmissions? That, that's correct. It's, so it's nothing we invented. It's something we try and pride ourselves on. And one of the few I feel in the performance industry that holds that value or that quality level. But you dig into some of the really big remanufactured companies. So, you know, like a Jasper Engines and Transmissions. You know, you look at, they, they're putting 100,000 mile warranties on their transmissions. This is stuff that clear back, uh, a company called Sonics Engineering. Sonics is an aftermarket company that they really focus on the fixes for the everyday car. Uh, so they develop processes, you know, hey, if you check vacuum here, so Sonics really is the, I feel like the key guy behind her, the company behind it that kind of made this very easy to do and did all the mathematical, hey, here's where you put the vacuum gauge and here's the holes you block off. And we've went as far as, you know, custom making plates that we can put on and just move the vacuum port uh, to really, really tune into a specific valve. Uh, so it's not new technology, definitely not ours. I wish I could lay claim to it. It's just smart technology. Yeah. Yes, but great technology. And, you know, when you're shopping around, you don't have to buy from us, but know what you're looking for. You ask the right questions. If you can't answer those questions, be concerned what you're getting. So uh, another question, why would somebody – so I'm recently building a, a little nasty LS Next project in a of all cars, a 77 Trans Am. Yeah, I'm letting my redneck shine. That's right. So uh, this transmission, everybody was saying that I, I need a 4L80E, and I was thinking to myself, well, why not just the built 700R4? Well, I found a 4L80E, but tell me what is the evolutionary leap between those two four speeds, and what, what makes it better than a 4L60 when people are out there just shopping and thinking about what transmission they can go harvest from a, a crash, a build, or a salvage yard? Yeah, well, I mean, the best way to look at it, obviously, 704 has been around for years. 82 to 92, they used them. Good transmission. The life of it is the cable. You know, so the cable operation. So if you want to put a 700 behind an LS, forget it. You're going to be in trouble unless it's a drive-by cable style. If it's drive-by wire, it's not, not going to happen. You know, you're going to tear up the transmission. 
So for a lady, obviously you go to electronics. So envision it being a turbo 400, which everybody knows is a really strong transmission with a built-in overdrive. You know, so, you know, the, the gut, so you could take a bone stock 4L80 and you're already probably twice the holding capacity of torque as a 700R4 from a stock standpoint. That doesn't mean you can't build a 700 to handle more torque, but your limitations are there just because of the pure design of the transmission. Um, you know, a 700, very similar to 4L60E, so the 4L60 came out in 93, ran all the way to about, I think 07, 08, I don't remember. Obviously, that's when the six-speed started to come out with a few vehicles, still ran them. Uh, the technology didn't change a lot. You, know, you look at it, you got aluminum drum with a steel shaft pressed into it. You know, at some point, there's a breaking point. You know, and normally, anything above about 550 to 600 foot-pounds of torque, you split the drum. And again, this company called Sonics, they have a great fix for strengthening in it but still aluminum drum with a steel, you know, a steel shaft. So even the sleeve reinforcements is going to break at some point. You know, you, you hear so many people, oh, I, it'll handle a thousand foot pounds of torque. Maybe if you've got a seven inch wide tire, you know, maybe. <laughs> so it's, it's purely knowing, you know, now again, you get into fitment, you know, 704, 4L60, smaller package. So we, right, right. 4L80, you got some tunnel revision. Yeah, but, you know, the 4L80 <laughs> from the standpoint of an automatic transmission is probably yeah. the strongest, besides a turbo 400, the strongest overdrive option. Interesting. All right, more questions like that answered. we got to take a break now. But, dude, I can't wait to get on the other side of this break, pick your brain about just common transmission questions and thoughts that people have, man. What I, what I always get is, how would you explain what you're feeling in the car uh, or a launch that would identify too much or too little converter? So wrap your head around that. Think about that because it's a common question I get. I'd love to see how you answer that. So let's take a break. We'll come back. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird, Willie B, and Mark Bowler. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Back in just a minute. Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Mark Bowler from Bowler Transmission on. And I got to tell you, man, this is the guy with the knowledge to get you down the track, get your ETs a little faster. It doesn't matter if it's road course, autocross, time attack, or eighth and quarter mile stuff, man. This guy has an answer when it comes to transmissions. Yeah, man. And before we get into your torque vert question, I want to keep following up on your original one. So, you know, the 700 R4... Uh, the 4L60, the 4L80, once you get into the electronics, for everybody out there, right? Getting a little bit nervous about, well, I know what the cable thing does. How does this electronic thing work? Tell us how in the aftermarket, uh, right? Because always all that stuff is all connected. It's all working. So how in the aftermarket, what are the solutions for people? How, how do they make it all work? Well, there, there's uh, there's several different manufacturers out there that make standalone controllers. Uh, technology has came so far. You know, it's, it's came from... I'm scared. I got to have a laptop. I don't know how to control it. I don't know what all the parameters put in. Could I burn it up? To now the technology, we use a company called CompuShift. I've been with them for probably, gosh, 18 to 20 years now. Uh, really good at what they do. Uh, they actually have the option now where you just use your smartphone. 
So it, you can actually program everything through your smartphone. Of course, there's an app for that. How did I not see this coming? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I, I never thought I would really see it. And I was nervous at first, you know, the, the abilities you have with it. What's great is we'll set a baseline. So as long as you've got throttle input and speed, I don't care if it's a carbureted motor, we have a bracket, you add a TPS sensor to your carburetor, you have all the inputs you need. So throttle speed, I can make everything shift function program just like your factory Silverado truck and your 69 Camaro or 70 Mustang. Wow. Uh, and it's, it does not need any kind of engineering degree to make it happen. Wow. Uh, there's so many built-in safety parameters that you're not going to damage it. Uh, you know, it always, it's funny. You hear the guy that, like, you know, I don't want any electronics in my hot rod. And I'm like, okay, but yeah, they have fuel injection. Right. It's like, well, okay, wait a minute here. Well, I need that for fuel economy. I'm like, okay, why are you so against electronics on the transmission? They're just poor. They're just miseducated. They don't realize how far it's king. You know, there is no major wiring. It's truly power ground, throttle position sensor, but super, super easy. Nice. And you said you, you set up a baseline and then through the power of your phone or whatever other interface, you can then yep. tweak a little bit of your shift parameters perhaps, or? Yeah, so look at it as simple as, you know, if I have your tire size gear ratio, I, we personally, anything that you buy from us, we're gonna do a baseline calibration. So we actually dyno test your transmission if you order it with your computer, your harness, the whole nine yards. So when you get it, we know it came to you functioning as a whole, not, oh, well, we use our in-house computer and I don't know how yours work. It's going to come to you with a baseline calibration. We checked all the pressures. If you said, man, I wish it shifted harder. So there's a turn that app on, push the plus button on the shift pressure. Shut up. That's too complicated. How am I supposed to remember what plus no. does? I mean, come on. That's like complicated programming and right there. Is that the cross sign? It's the cross <laughs> sign, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the best part is now technology you can have what's called calibration a calibration b you can literally hit the button on your dash and change it to a full manual control valve body just by pushing a button push it back and drive it home from the drag strip no you're playing he he's straight line y'all i'm not buying it <laughs> i gotta jump on this still because um right this whole uh you know manual you know at least from performance driving outside of drag strip but the whole, you know, paddle shifting, you know, with automatics has been pretty weak. You know, it's just taking an automatic and putting some buttons for you to shift. Uh, you know, I've, I've driven the C7 VET and, you know, that's the first kind of automatic with some paddle shifting. I was like, well, dang, this is better. You know, had some blip shifts in there and whatnot. Uh, how good if somebody really wanted to go down that road in today's technology, how, how reasonable is paddle shifting automatics? Well, it's, it's there. Here's what I usually educate people on. You know, if we look at a paddle shifter from purely a performance enhancing, I don't feel it's there still to this day, you know, from an aftermarket standpoint, you know, like you said, that C7 Corvette, it's much better. You know, it's OE designed, it's engineered, it at least has some engine braking. It has some performance ability. They've got the shift time about 0 0.25, 0 0.26 milliseconds. Of course, then you get in, you know, a new BMW M6 and it's point, you know, point oh six and six tenths of a second. So, you know, if you get a customer, that's what they drove. They drove, you know, either a new C8 or GT500 or 
BMW M6 or a Ferrari, and they look at, I don't care if it's a, a new six-speed, eight-speed, 10-speed, or the old-school 4080, they're never going to love it. So I'm probably not the best salesperson from a, you know, from a paddle shift standpoint. Technology has came a long ways. It's there. If it's from a novelty standpoint or just that cool feature, it works good. But I, I caution people, if they're looking for purely performance enhancement, I think they're going to be disappointed. That's, that's a good, honest answer, man. I appreciate that kind of feedback. All right, so back to my question. How do you explain what you're feeling in the car or, let's say, on a launch that identifies too much or too little converter in the car? I get asked that a lot. So here's the best way to explain. So you're, you're right. Converters are so misunderstood. So I could put you in a car that had a 2,000 stall or a 5,000 stall. And from a standpoint of taking off from a stoplight, just normal driving, as soon as you left foot off brake, it should move, should function. You're never going to know the difference. From a launching standpoint, that's where you're going to notice, if, especially if you have a trans brake or some way, you know, a line lock that your, your brakes will truly hold you back, where you can bring that thing up to what they call a flash stall. The, the, you know, the true stall is going to be where that motor quits pulling RPM. So if I've got a 3,000 RPM stall, you should be able to bring that motor up and it's going to just sit there and hum at 3000 RPM. And that's a true stall. So you're going to launch at that point, you know, a 2000 stall, same thing. It's, it's going to react the same way, except for it's going to stop that engine from truly, you know, pushing anything else into that transmission because it's coupled at that point. So you got, you know, we won't get so deep into it. So you get into K factors and the multipliers and what pump and so we can go on like Planet Nine on a whole another ex experiment here. But yeah, at the end of the day, I tell people that if you need more stall, you're going to notice that your motor is just, you're not getting up to the premium RPM to launch from. You know, the two things the stall is going to really benefit you from is really drag race or a launch, you know, whether it's autocross, road course, you're trying to get off the line, you need to get the RPM up that peak RPM. Or the fact that you've got so much stall that at a stoplight, it's not loading the motor. So, you know, let's say you've got a really radical 280 degree duration cam. It's just slobbering all over itself. You know, you've got an 1800, 2000 stall. It's trying to pull itself through the brakes because it's not loose enough. Your torque of that motor is truly loading everything because of that converter. That's where, you know, a 2800 stall, even though I let off the brake and it still moves, it's not loading the drive line. So the difference in like a loose to a tight is going to be from a launch, if you just dead stop, you know, you're not coming up against the rev limiter, you're not trying to break torque, it, you're only going to notice the fact of how quick it couples that motor. So I won't say it's, the best thing I can tell or describe is almost like a slipping. You don't feel like that motor truly pulling through until it couples. So the tighter the stall the better that flat out acceleration feels from a dead stop, the looser the stall, the worse it feels unless you're, you're brake torque and you're coming up against, you know, the, the converter truly loading it. Uh, you know, we have so many people that are like, well, I, you know, they call and they tell us their specs and I ask them what this is going in and it's just a cruiser, but they want a 3,500 stall. There's no such thing as a shelf built converter. And this didn't hit towards, you know, it's not a hit towards anybody, but you can go to Summit, Jegs, any of these distributors, and you can buy a 
2,000 to 2,400 stall converter. It's like, okay, is that for a 1950 Buick or an 87 S10? Is that for a big block or a small block? It matters. So many factors, the cam factor, the tire size, the, the weight of the vehicle, all that plays in a factor. So I can take, you know, back in the day, you heard people take an old Vega converter, throw it in a turbo 350, and they had a higher stall. Well, sure, it was designed for possibly a, you know, a six-cylinder. You know, six cylinders, you take a six-cylinder, you know, 4.8 currently, or I'm sorry, that's a V8, but a 4.8 or the older 4.3, put it in a V8, it's going to immediately stall higher because of the way everything was set up for the impeller and the pump. Uh, you know, now, with today's technology, it's got a lot better. You know, we can truly build it. But I always get nervous whenever somebody just orders it. And it, because a lot of times they, they maybe bought that 2,500 shelf converter. Let's probably stall an 1,800 in their car. So the, guess what? They want to go extreme. They want a 3,500 stall. Well, let's say the let's say the hot rod cruiser guy wants to be somewhere in the 2,000. Let's say the drag racer guy is at the 5,000. And then you got that guy, God forbid, who wants to autocross an automatic. Uh, where do you put him? Well, I'm the crazy guy that autocrossed an automatic, so I can answer that. So, Well, you, you have a transmission company, so I'm going to let you have a pass on that yeah, one. Yeah, but yours shift really well. <laughs> uh, you want to go as tight as possible on an autocross converter, and the reason for that is if you're going into a corner, if you're letting off throttle, you know, if, if you can't you know, put foot on the brake and gas, you're going in the corner and keep the motor up, you're going to fight yourself because if you let off the throttle, you're on the brakes a little bit, then you get back on the throttle. You have what's called flash stall. So that flash stall is that, what I call that moment that it feels like nothing is happening. And then all of a sudden it catches, you break tires loose, you're sliding into the corner. So it fights you. So I always look at if it's truly an autocross car and my car is 70 Torino, or, you know, it's a 427 motor, 582 foot pounds of torque. The stalls are, you know, the, the, Cam's pretty slobbery. It really probably needs about a 3,200 stall. It sucks driving it that way as far as on an autocross. So I run a 2,400 stall. does very well. Now I will admit it sucks on the street because it wants to pull through the brakes. But it's the balance I look at. If I know I'm building it for performance for autocross, I'll live through pulling through the brakes because of the advantage I gain on the autocross track. Man, did you just say did you you autocross the seventy Torino? Tell me I didn't hear that. <laughs> you did hear it correct. Yeah. Come on, man. Real <laughs> if, you, if you can't be the fastest, you gotta be the most unique to stand out. So Damn. <laughs> Yeah, man. That's that awesome, is hilarious. Man. I'd love awesome. to see that out there, man. That'd be crazy. <laughs> the yeah. big old boat. Oh man. Yeah, I love everybody who wants to come out and have a good time, man. I, I think that's cool. And doesn't matter what you got, if you're out there winging it and you're out there pushing it, that's that's pretty all right in my book. Especially when you got some, you know, oddball, goofy combination or something unique or different. Like, man, mix it up. You know, we don't want to see the same old Miatas every time you go out. You know, like a thousand Miatas all lined up. I'm with you, Mark. I got a 70 Roadrunner. I got second place in a, a local time attack course. People, they're, they're like, what are you doing in that old man car here? I'm like, look underneath it. It's got a real nasty suspension, real sticky tires. The thing was fast as hell. It had great brakes, and uh, I drove the poop out of it, man. I drove it like it owed me money. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it, hey, it's fun when you get when you get to it, man. It's just awesome. There's people like you, like you out there that – 
They're banging turns in a 70 Torino. It's like, yeah, it goes against all physics, man. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Bend the rules. Bend the rules. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So, right on, man. Where do people find out more just about you, your company? Um, you know, we're, we're damn near out of time. But we, I feel like we just started. So, that shows you how just the wealth of knowledge and the great resource that you are. Uh, where do people find out more about you guys? Well, they can they can check out our website at bowlertransmissions.com or they can follow us on any of the social media, Instagram, Facebook, any of that, and check us out. Oh, for sure, man. So where do where do people catch you? What what's the best you know social places to catch you on the web? You know, it, it, Instagram, the Bowler Transmissions, uh, or you know. Facebook, obviously, we got a lot of followers there. A lot of people, we try and keep content up. Uh, we also have a blog on our website that became pretty popular. We try and post a lot of these questions you guys are asking, and we continue to building on that. And, you know, no one has to even interact on it. It's just free information for them to check out. We've always prided ourselves on educating the customer so they know the right things to look for. All right, man, I got to ask, bro, how many cars do you have in your arsenal? How many fun cars do you own? Uh, I think I'm up to about nine right now. How many of them are automatics? How many of them are manuals? Oh, gosh. See, well, I just changed one of them from a manual to an automatic. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Oh. Well, you know, that's like being a butcher and, uh, you know, being changing over to being a vegetarian. I, I can't argue. It's pretty nice to have a manual transmission, have command what you need to do. And, you know, Kyle Tucker, Detroit Speed, probably about seven or eight years ago, got us hooked on to building the, the manuals as well. So, you know, we're a Tremec Elite distributor, so we, we're an equal opportunity transmission provider. <laughs> uh, uh, you can't dodge it. How, how many, how many, how many automatics, how many manuals? Well, probably way more automatics than manuals. <laughs> Do you have one manual? Oh, yeah, more than one. <laughs> All right, so two. <laughs> my, my, my latest Camaro, we're putting a six-speed manual in it that we're building. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as all you right. got at least one, you know, and as long as that one is your favorite. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> you totally redeemed yourself, Mark. You totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thanks so much for the time and the uh, the knowledge, man. And, you know, once again, you do it not just for, you know, the performance sort of base guys, but anybody and everybody that wants to say well-built, reliable, you know, robust transmission, you call you guys at Boulder Transmission and really um, line themselves up with a, a, a great transmission. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That's one thing I think is misconceived. We, you know, we seem to be fortunate to have the top builders and a lot of the race guys and you know, trust in us. But we're here for the general guys. If you want, we try and pride ourselves on the best customer service. We say we're, we're building relationships, not customers. We've been very fortunate to have loyal customers since you know, really back in the early 90s, before I was really known into it, that still uses today. So if you're building an everyday power tour car, you want dependability, we take care of that as well. You don't have to have big horsepower or a half million dollar show car to come to us. I don't care if it's a $30,000, enjoying it, you threw it together in your garage, we, can, we have something for you. Amen. Amen. Right on, man. Hey, 
Thanks again, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, no doubt, we will talk to you again, my friend, no doubt. Hey, uh, it's Mark Bowler, Bowler Transmission, you guys. Thanks to him. Don't forget about our show, Air Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings and throw an absolute fit if it's not there. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Thanks to our guest, Mark Bowler. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. Our producer is Scoop, and our executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're on social. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. And Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020. Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. I'm the bald one when you're looking on the website. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that's kind of working my way there. But anyway, <laughs> we digress. We digress. You guys learned a lot today. I hope you took some notes. And uh, I hope... Uh, yeah, man, I hope we all get a little wiser when it comes to the uh, the transmission world. That guy knows the sauce, man. He was great to have on. Well, you know, if you didn't get any wiser, you know who to go call, right? We got the man at the top, the payback man. Oh, my 70 grand. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's right. <laughs> all right. Hey, man, y'all have a great one. We'll catch you on the next time. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.